Welcome to Empowered Thinking at Play, a podcast hosted by me, Kim Nelson, writer, creative meditation teacher, and someone with a very curious mind. This is a series of conversations which brings together a panel of strong-minded women to talk about topics which I think need to be discussed in order to help us feel more empowered. Yes, indeed, views, ideas and opinions will not be suppressed, which is why this series is called Uncensored Conversations. So today's topic is speaking out. Now, I have to say, being an introvert, it's always been more challenging for me to use my voice, especially in the workplace. And it's something I've really had to work on. Teaching and learning improvisation has really helped me to develop that voice, but it is ongoing. Now, of course, we're working virtually and speaking out is becoming even more challenging with a recent survey I read that Zoom meetings are starting to crystallise how much harder it is for women to be heard in group settings. With women being interrupted or others taking credit for their ideas, So online, these imbalances are apparently being amplified. So how can women empower themselves more in this type of environment where Zoom meetings adds another layer of disconnect? So I thought it would be an interesting topic for discussion, not only to talk about speaking out in the workplace, but building our confidence and finding our authentic voice. Here's the panel introducing themselves. Hi, so I'm uh, Joanna Pszczoła, Joby. So artist, singer, songwriter, vocal coach, educator, English professor, um, EU senior communication expert. <laughs> that was short. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here tonight. Um, so Agnieszka Łukaszczyk, short Aga. Um, I am a senior director for Planet, which is a largest operator of satellites in the world. Um, I'm uh, based in Brussels, have a PhD in space security, and uh, I'm a Polish-American national. Hi, good evening, everyone. So my name is Elisabeth van den Berg. I work as a speaker coach. I've built my own business since seven years now. And in the meantime, my husband joined and we do a lot of, well, I do a lot of one-on-one coachings. I have a group program. And also now we, in this year, we launched our first online program called Out Loud. <gasps> Lovely. You like the name? Yes, it's brilliant. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to meet you better and get to know it. Can't wait. Hi, I'm Kelly. I used to be a radio presenter, so I'm used to finding ways of using my voice. Uh, but I'm now a director in advertising. So that's the panel, including my sister Kelly, who was keen to join in on this discussion. So to kick off, I asked the panel whether we ask enough questions. Albert Einstein famously said, question everything. But are we doing that? And if not, why not? Agnieszka offered her opinion on that topic. Um, I think questions are uh, much easier than answers, right? 
So um, I think uh, people maybe sometimes do not ask questions because it makes them look like they don't know something, which is actually a very uh, silly approach because um, it is a part of human nature to be curious about, about uh, the world around us, but also about things that we're working on. Um, so uh, I'm, for instance, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious and I always want to know everything about everything. So I always uh, ask a lot of questions and, and because this is how we learn. Um, so I think this is maybe the, the, the problem that a lot of people think that by asking questions, um, they look uh, incompetent, which is not, um, not, not, not true at all. Um, so maybe this is why um, they don't. I think that's a great point. I mean, as, as I've got older, I've felt more comfortable about asking more questions. You know, now I, I don't feel like I have a, a, a problem with that. But def and, and exactly to your point, you know, mm. you don't want to look like you don't have the answers or you, you aren't competent. As you get older, I want to know, right? If I don't know, mm -hmm. I want to know. And if it's in my work, then I'm absolutely, you know, as I feel more secure in my work, I'm quite happy asking questions that I don't know because we need to be absolutely clear about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's a really good point that you made. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's, there's a lot to win in getting confident in the attitude of being curious. We love curious people. They're open-minded. We like to talk to people who are curious. And also, should one hold back asking questions because, oh, I might look not so intelligent, then I would give the advice that it's actually... Um, a very good idea to ask questions and you can also if you want to impress you can ask questions like oh that's an interesting point how does this relate to the strategy or how would this be if we take one step back so like taking it to a bigger level and 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 asking a question in that sense makes you look like oh wow she's really involved and she's really thinking along so a question doesn't necessarily, well, first of all, a question is never dumb, in my opinion. So I totally agree with uh, Agnieszka. But also you can use questions to come across as involved, engaged, committed. And it's a good way, I, I, in live meetings, I have to think about how this plays out in Zoom meetings, but in live meetings, as a woman, if you feel that you're not heard enough, it's a good idea to start with such a question very early on or do a little, little interception, like, oh, that's a good point, I like that. So you are engaging and already part of the conversation because if you wait for all the others to finally come to you and say, what are you thinking? Sometimes it can be a long wait. Yeah, and I think this is, this is the, the really good point that, uh, about the engagement. I think asking questions really shows the interest and it shows that you care and that you want to explore the topic more. Uh, I always, you know, a lot of times in my work environment, I try to also um, put a lot of my personal experience in it and, uh, and think of like, for instance, I don't know, going on a date and meeting a new person and that a person never asks you anything. They don't ask any questions about you. That means they're not interested, right? That they're not curious about you. That they're and there's not... no second date. Right. Yes! Exactly. Yes! Next, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, same thing for work, right? You, you show interest, you show curiosity, you show that you care, you want to know more. I think it's, it's actually a very good thing and very positive things, thing to, to be asking questions.
Definitely. I think it's about asking the right questions as well, though, and that's probably what holds people back. Am I going to ask a question that exposes the fact that I don't actually understand what's going on here or I don't know enough? Or is it a, a question that adds value to the to the group? And I think it's about finding that balance, knowing that balance and feeling OK about not knowing stuff that you maybe should know. Um, but asking sort of questions are gonna gonna help if, if we're talking about meetings that you have at work or whatever I think it was when it's on a one-to-one -one basis. It is about asking questions and that's probably You know, it's it's a bit more accepted whatever question you want to ask really isn't it But when you're in a group of people, I think that's what holds holds some people back um, Is asking the right questions and being exposed of not having the answers that maybe you might be expected to have yeah, I could add that to that finally also uh, that for me, it's fascinating. Uh, for instance, my 10 years experience as a journalist and the radio host, it was fascinating always asking questions uh, when I did interviews with musicians and artists. Where is this question going to take you? You never know. So asking questions is daring. It's breaking boundaries. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's fearful. It's uh, nothing is given. You don't know where it's going to take you. So it takes, um, it takes courage, you know. It also takes stepping out of the comfort zones as well. So I find it fascinating, but not easy. But I love it. <laughs> if I can just add one last thing on this, because this is, this is really interesting. Yeah, uh, I think it also depends what kind of meeting you're in, right? Because if you are in a very kind of high level um, negotiations, for instance, uh, you should never uh, ask a question that you don't already know an answer to, right? Because you, you should never be um, surprised or shocked or back by an answer. Like that question is only to confirm what you already know, right? However, if you're in a working meeting, if you are just working on a project, it is okay not to know because this is how you learn, right? So it's okay for me not to have ever answer to everything because nobody, I think we often drive to this like perfectionism and we feel like we always have to be on top of everything, which is impossible. And we never, we're never going to learn if we're not going to step outside of a box and actually ask about things that we do not know. This is what's going to bring us a step further to whatever the answer is. So it's, uh, it's also you kind of, it, it really depends, like I said, on the type of meeting that, that, that you're having and who your audience is. Uh -huh. I think that's right. It's about who your audience is. You know, I've, um, I've just started doing an MBA. And so there's 40 of us or so in a lecture uh, hall um, or a lecture room. And we get a ton of reading, you know, you could swim in, in a tub of all the reading that we have to do. And that's before we even turn up to a lecture to then learn, right? So you're expected to have a certain level of, um, of understanding of a topic before you even go in. And, and you, you kind of question, oh, was that something I should have read? Or oh, maybe I read it and I didn't get it. Oh, no. I mean, you just have to dive right in. But like we're talking about, it's, it's the context, getting the context right of the meeting you're in, you know, and it's that questioning. Should I have the answer here? Or have I got the confidence to ask a question? I mean, I generally do ask a question if I don't know the answer. 
But, you know, it, it, just when you're saying that, I am thinking about when I'm in the lecture hall and I do, I do question myself before I answer, ask some questions, you know, we're all asking questions, but I do, I do sort of find myself just questioning myself. Should, should I have known the answer to that? Is that something I should have read? Or is that while we're exploring this topic together, that it's, you know, a topic that other people will be thinking, is that something I don't know? So I think it, I think it is about the context. Mm. Mm. and also when you you ask a question um especially if it's to a man um have you found that he needs to to show that he knows the answer so might start a sentence with i think um and are you quite good at being like a bullshit detector when you know someone doesn't know the answer I have this thing and it's grown on me over the years. I recently turned 40 and I like to believe that I am just beginning my journey. It's amazing. And it's the, you know, the becoming Kim, this bullshit detector. In fact, when people lie, if you train in comms, you know it. I kind of, or you sense it or you feel it. I trust more and more my gut feeling and my intuition. And it's amazing that in many, many cases, it's, it, it's, it's true. It rings true. And, you know, you can even from um, typical communication study, you can just by observing the body language, if someone is like not looking you straight in the eye or can, you know, uh, sit still and it's fidgeting, there are like a list of things that can tell you that someone is up to something and the nervosity, et cetera, et cetera, the list goes on. So it's interesting to see that. Um, but then once, if you know someone is lying or not being truthful or transparent or authentic, how, what do you do? <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is true. How do you call out when somebody's not being authentic? I will call it out if I think someone's blagging. Do you really know the answer to that? Or are you just, are you just, you know, just giving me some wow wow. Are you just like, making some noise? <laughs> you just make it up as you're going along. But if they're not being authentic, I don't know if I'd call that out. That's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, it depends. I always, I mean, in a group, I'd rather not do public shaming. It yeah. all depends, you know, when it comes to communication, I'm sure, yeah, it all depends on the context and the dynamics and the hierarchy or whatever is at play. So yeah, I would rather not, yeah, call people shame in public. But um, yeah, if need be, an intervention has to be done eh? or one-on-one or -on -one, if someone is bullshitting you. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all cut it short uh, quite quickly. But when it's in a group, yeah, it depends yeah. you, how you would deal with it. Eh? Yeah, I think it's also, you know, you take the information that you get from that person. If you know that they're bullshitting you, this is a certain leverage point that you can use later on because clearly they don't know what they're talking about, right? Yeah. So this is already some sort of an answer to you. Um, yeah, you collect intelligence being that, okay, this person was bullshitting at, on that topic at that time. So that's intelligence that you take with you that you can, yeah, hopefully use to your advantage later. Yeah. 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 Have you had this aga in your experience? Often. <laughs> Often. I can imagine because she's a shark girl. So aga is a shark amongst all these, you know, top senior Man, I can imagine. I can see you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a shark, but I swim well. 
Oh, I love that. Nice. Excellent. <gasps> Killer <gasps> sentence. I'm writing this down. That's a great line there from Agnieszka. I'm not a shark, but I swim well. I will be remembering that. But I just wanted to get back to the questions because it really is an important area and where women in particular hold themselves back. I, for one, have found myself stuck at times and not asked questions in a meeting. Common reasons which I think other women can relate to, like I was worried I'd misunderstood the content, or I couldn't work up the nerve, or I wasn't sure whether the question was appropriate. But asking questions is a practice, though, and in fact, among the most common complaints people make after having a conversation, such as an interview, a first date or a work meeting, is I wish they had asked more questions. I always like to remind myself to ask open questions which begin with who, where, what, when, how, why, or if I get stuck, say, tell me about, or could you explain? But one tip I like, and it's something that I'm always thinking about, is from the book How to Win Friends and Influence People, and it's by the author Dale Carnegie. It's a 1936 classic and one of the best-selling books of all time. And one of the tips is be a good listener. Ask questions the other person will enjoy answering. But it's not just the internal forces stopping us in speaking out. There are the external forces, and we have terms to describe this. Mansplaining. When a man interrupts a woman while she's trying to speak, or propriating or heapeating, a man stealing an idea from a woman and putting it out into the world as their own, and man interrupting. I think we all know what that means. But I was curious to know what the panel thought of this genderized language, and if anyone would dare mansplain them. I think it's good to be able to name what is happening because it can be confusing or offsetting for women when this happens all the time and to be able to name it and then discuss it with others, whether it be women or men, is, is a good thing. Like also the, the heap eating, like you make a point, nobody reacts and then a few minutes later somebody else picks it up, often okay. a man, yeah. Can you repeat this phrase please or type it in? Was it heap eating? Heap eating, yeah, I'll put it Never in the Never heard, thank you. Yeah. So when you drop a line and they ignore it and then someone else picks it up and takes it for themselves. Yeah. Oh, lovely. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. They take the credit. So I do think it's, it's very, you know, it's important to be able to give names. If, it, if you cannot give names to, to events, to things, then you cannot do anything about it. And these are problematic events, I would say. So it's good to, that we can call it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to, to know about these terms, I guess, so that if it does happen, you're like, okay, that is mansplaining or, uh, okay, yeah. And then I guess it makes women more um, assertive. They can be more assertive and then know how to handle it, perhaps. Do you feel that, I mean, all of you, you're in a position where no one would even dare mansplain you? <laughs> yes. It sounds very good, does it? Yes. <laughs> yes! <laughs> they wouldn't even dare. Mm -mm. 
they wouldn't. And, you know, uh, this is interesting because I've been in different kind of fields of work, uh, as you know, some of you know, and the interesting part that, you know, I would be in high level conferences where I would run summits or conferences and I would deal with senior directors and, and I have never been disrespected or talked over, etc. And I, I don't remember really that I couldn't like pinpoint uh, that that has happened to me done by a man uh, or comparing to other fields like let's say uh, music industry where we say that especially in hip hop it's very male driven and uh, it's very macho etc true true but also still being in that in that scene for 10 years i really have not felt it uh, from the man so that's also interesting uh yeah so i guess i got the balls yeah, if you take up the space if you have the presence yeah then they yeah they you sense know, it huh? you you have to walk into the room how you own the room how you own yeah. your walk you do not take any bullshit you walk in you own it you know what you're doing you know where you are and you know you belong there and you own it. It's about owning it. There yeah, do you know what? I, I totally not, agree with yeah, that. I not totally agree with it. that. Yeah, sorry. Not, not feeling that you have to prove anything, but yeah, but owning it. Yeah. Having, owning your space at the table. You know, Sheryl Sandberg, I don't know if you've read Lean In. I loved, I loved elements of that book. That She just actually, she, she just says, you know, a lot of women step back before, you know, especially like with having children and that. They, they, they take a step back in preparation for the life that they're going to have one before they need need to um you know to kind of take a step back their mindset is there so they don't go for it but it's about owning that your space owning your space at the table and not taking you know a seat back and i, I love that idea and so you're absolutely right you need to own your space i think this is also very much um it's, 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 there's a bit of a psychology there, right? Because not everybody's as confident and as, um, as strong and as sure of themselves that they can just do that. So this can also be learned, um, I think, with time. Um, uh, but, it's, but it's absolutely necessary. And I think if you look at the psychology of thing, you know, and anything also when you go back to um, not just uh, not having your place at a table, but uh, being mobbed, being bullied, being, I don't know, sexually harassed, um, that men, um, and not just men, human in general, right? It's like, yeah. they, they sense their prey, right? So don't be a prey, don't, don't, don't behave as a prey. Um, and and it, because when you ask the question, Kim, has any of us been, uh, you know, um, in the situation where we've been, oh, nobody would dare to, to, to treat us in a certain way. Um, it's just because we're not the prey type. But a lot of young women, a lot of women, a lot, a lot, a lot of young women particularly are, right? And, um, and that's, it's just people treat us the way we let them treat, treat ourselves. Absolutely. It's, it's, Absolutely. It's, so it's, it's really, it's a two-way street. So we can only, I, me for instance, I, I refuse to put myself in a place of a victim ever. Right, it's always two-way street, and of course, sometimes somebody will over. There could be a situation where you can be overpowered and and completely uh, mistreated, 
But majority of times, it is that we allow for this to happen. So the change that we want to see in the world, the change we want to see you, it, 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 with the men, uh, is the change that needs to come from us, right? And, um, and also all these men, just remember they have mothers who raised them to be that way. So there were women who played a role in these men to be on the pedestal. So let's think about that when we raise our children. Let's think about it, how we react with men, because you can, um, uh, I mean, it's going to sound really dry, but you can train them. <laughs> we can train every, people around mm -hmm. us, you can train your boss, you can train, I mean, there's certain behaviors you can train. And if we're not going to do that, it's not going to magically happen. I, I totally agree, but... It's a bit, it's a little bit tricky because eh, of course it's true that eh, you decide how you should decide how people should treat you and nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent and you shouldn't behave like a prey. But if this is taken too black and white, it can also lead to victim blaming because it can also happen to the strongest women that, you know, they are overpowered or, you know, nasty things happen to them. I mean, Hillary Clinton is not someone who's going to be, you know, let other talk over her, but she has gone through so much shit and, and especially female politicians when they speak out, there's so much hate and, and threats via social media. So, and it's not, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to blame them for doing anything wrong. So it's, um, on one side, I totally agree that, you know, women, women should empower themselves. Women should own the rooms. They should go for it. They should take responsibility. They should act like a leader. But they often also need help with that. Um, and it's also the system eh, that needs to be fixed. Not, it's not like it's not the women's fault also eh, that we are sometimes not listened to or not invited to panels, etc. So it's... Um, but I am... Yeah, I don't think, like, I don't think it's, a, it's women's fault at all. I think it's just what mm. I'm trying to it's like a it's a it's a two-way street right absolutely um, no no we, yeah um because i mean without like it, it, and it's all we are, we're all complicated creatures we all have been nurtured in a certain way we've the, the culture around us also has kind of put a certain way of behaving on us that it, it's going to take generations to break so it's not something that's going to happen overnight but the first thing we can do, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go the, ahead. First, the first thing that we can do is to be conscious of it, you know, and, and not blame others, but just be conscious of what the situation is and the impact yeah. that we have. So if we're a mother, the impact we're having on our children, whether they're, you know, girls or boys, you know, raising your girls to be aware, raising your boys to be aware and aware of the impact that they have both with themselves and with other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing that we can do is just keep talking about it, be aware of it, and, and then start thinking about how we can make little acts that, you know, come together to, to make a change. Because you're right, it's a generational thing. It will, take, it will take years to change, but the change starts with us. And how have you found your authentic voice? I mean, you know, you're all in a position now um, where you, you're very confident in yourself, but I mean, back in the day when you're at the beginning of your career, what sort of things did you say to yourself to, to you know, to, to own that voice of yours, to speak out? Finding your authentic voice is a journey. It's a journey of becoming. And the key word again and again uh, is education. 
is active listening, is being open uh, for change. Because getting into those that authentic uh, self, the authentic you, is not going to happen overnight. It's a very long journey, can be very painful. Uh, and it takes a lot of courage. But also, as I've mentioned before, also looking back into the mirror again, facing yourself, questioning, not all others, but also questioning yourself. Not in a case of also self-doubt. In this case, not a bad thing. Don't be too sure of yourselves. Learn mistake, uh, mistakes, error, um, etc. It takes lots and lots and lots to, to unpack to get there. So it's a journey and um, it can be painful, but it's worth it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think it is a journey. And I think, you know, I'm still uh, developing my uh, authentic voice. And I think I will, I will do that for, for, for the rest of my life because life changes, circumstances change, I change. And it's, and it's not that even if you get into a certain position where you feel, you know, confident and competent, et cetera, you, you're still going to have day, days when you're going to have experience self-doubt, where you're going to feel insecure, you know? There's some days when I feel like super sharp and I'm like, I'm so on top of the world. And there are days when I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing here? You know, like, I don't like, I, I can't handle this anymore. It's completely fine. Um, and we are not robots, you know, we're humans. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's finding the authentic voice. It's a journey. Absolutely. And it's about, I think it's, as probably all of us at some point in our life, you start to be more aware, you become a more conscious person and it's a lifelong journey. And me at one point, I also became more conscious and you ask, your quest, you ask yourself, why am I doing this? What do I really want to do? What do I want to do with my life? And I've chosen the, the path of entrepreneurship, which is a great way to bang your head against the wall, but also a great way to, to challenge yourself, to keep growing. And it's, um, yeah, there's often this, the metaphor of the caterpillar that becomes a butterfly, which is a beautiful metaphor, but a um, slightly different metaphor, which I believe is more appropriate, is that of the snake, which every so often loses its skin because you keep on growing and then you outgrow the skin and then it's, it's a, it's, you start anew. So it's all about, yeah, becoming conscious, making specific choices and then growing and, and in that sense, finding your authentic voice. Wow. And me specifically, yeah, I chose that, okay, I want to work on public speaking. I want to help pe people be better leaders and female empowerment is also at the core of what I do. And that was a conscious choice that I've made and I've worked every day on that. And then, yeah, one day you wake up and you're like, oh my God, yes. I really have something, you know, to say about this. And, and that's your authentic voice because, yeah, because it comes from the heart. It's from passion and, and yeah. Yeah. That. Lovely. Love the snake, love the snake metaphor. And how, and how beautifully you connected with Agnieszka's actually uh, um, uh, points with the snake. Yeah, sorry, Kelly, Kelly. No, I was just going to say, I totally agree with you, Joe. It's, it's, it's a journey. It's totally a journey. I mean, I think for me, when I was younger, I'd always push my boundaries to, to in, in environments that would make me look like I was more confident than I was. 
I suppose fake it till you make it approach, but not that I was ever fake. I was always me, but I would always speak out more than I actually felt like I should and, and always look like the very confident person when I didn't always feel it. And I think sometimes you just got to take little baby steps. You've got to make little, little journeys towards being the person that you want to be. I have this vision of this confident person and I come across like that. And sometimes I feel that and sometimes I don't. But if I don't feel it, I guess you just have to fight through those, those barriers and just be that person so I am that person, even if I'm not feeling it inside. So, yeah, so I totally believe it's a journey. And the more you do that, the more it becomes part of what you, what you do and who you are. Yeah, you decide who you want to be and then you take steps to becoming that person. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. picture, because that's the only way to get there. Like if you, you step into a new role or a new function, another metaphor, it's like putting on a coat that is too big. It's too big, but you'll grow into it. And you, everybody who ever has accomplished anything first was an, every expert once was a beginner. Like children, one day they walk, they run, but one, yeah, they also, you know, they practice, they practice, they pretend, and that's how you get there. Yeah. That's a really good tip there. Visualizing yourself becoming the person you want to be. People are usually minimizing their success and maximizing their failure. But visualization is a powerful tool to stay focused. But we're coming to the end of this podcast. And one final thing I ask the panel, what are your top tips for speaking out? I think maybe um, I, I, I can start. One of the um, things that I've been kind of discovering through the years is that um, we all need to find like really what our, what our passion and our strength is and stick to that. So we don't all need to be extroverts jumping at the table and ready to speak. It's, it's, it's okay not to do that. If this is not your strong suit, um, that's okay. There's a lot of work to be done um, kind of in the background or, or, or backstage or whatever you say. Not everybody's going to be on the stage and it's totally fine. And it's not of a smaller value either. So um, don't think that you have to be something or somebody um, uh, that you've seen on TV or read in a book. Find your true voice and your true uh, kind of journey, your true destiny. And another thing I, I think I would also say that it's... Um, okay to self-doubt and we don't all have to know everything and be in control everything and be on top of everything and be always ready for everything it's it's okay it's okay not to know it's okay uh to be insecure sometimes it's okay to let other uh people take the lead when when that's appropriate um don't speak just to create noise speak when you have a message to give um, and that is really going to be valued, I think. Wow, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Speechless. I, I have an idea. It just came up with this, uh, inspired by Agnieszka, my very good friend. <laughs> that in that moment that you actually become that person that begins to understand who you are, where you want to be, you yourself without comparing, et cetera, et cetera. And then understanding how that relates and overlaps with becoming that person that knows exactly how you want to express yourself. 
and not necessarily loud and, you know, being chatterboxy, but becoming that rock, because being like a monument in the room, you know, think about that. <laughs> oh, that voice. <laughs> 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 I'm a guru. I knew it. I'm a guru. <laughs> Aga, thank you. But you inspired me with this. That just came up with this thought. I, it feels, um, I don't know. It's going to be the next song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say what I always say is that it's normal to be nervous. I think a lot of people have unrealistic expectations about speaking up, public speaking, and that's where they um, hinder themselves. So allowing, it's all a lot about allowing yourself to be you, finding your own style, um, go, yeah, following your own inner compass, eh? as Agnieszka said. Um, know what you stand for. I always also say, you know, a speaker is a leader. Think about what expectations come with that. And often we are pressured by the expectations from others. But think about your own expectations for yourself, for your work. Uh, what do you expect from yourself? What do you define success for yourself? And come from strong intentions. Like, who do you want to be? What impact do you want to make? What is the kind of legacy that you want to build? Because then if it becomes, if you do it, if you're for something that's bigger than you, then you can overcome yourself and you have more realistic expectations because often this is, a, yeah, at least my experience, people in a way, they're, they're in their own way and they have limiting beliefs and they have strange ideas about public speaking. And if, if you can clear the minds from all of that, then there is room uh, to grow, yeah. As a practical tip, I would say, think about what you want to get from an exchange. If it's a meeting, what do you mm. want to get out of it? So many meetings that happen, that have no direction, even though they have an agenda. I think there's nothing wrong with saying at the beginning of it as well, okay, what do we want to get out of this time together? And then you can even have your voice at the end. If you've had your voice at the beginning, you could even, if you haven't said anything, you could have your voice at the end and say, okay, did we accomplish everything we needed to? But I think you can apply that to life in general. Um, just thinking about what do you want to impart in an exchange with people or what do you want to, to happen? Um, and I think if you think ahead a little bit, that can help you to find a voice while you're in that moment to be able to speak up because you've had a little bit of a thought about, you know, thinking about what, you, mm. what, you, what your impact could be. Yeah. And maybe that leads into what you're saying as well, actually, Elizabeth. Yeah, absolutely. Always know what point you want to make. Always know why are you having this meeting, this conversation. These are things that keep you, yeah. And centered. how about I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. Ha ha. Throw it in I'm there. Go on. Going Throw it to, in there. I'm going to pick the always. How about not always? How about not knowing always what's going to happen? How about jumping in the ocean with sharks? and sometimes going with the flow and maybe going onto a journey on a hike up to the mountain and you're sweating and it's hot and you hate it and you're going and around the corner you meet 
an Indian guru that's going to change your life. How about not always? How about sometimes doing without the plan? Jumping, trying, uh, breaking a leg, bumping into the wall. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I yeah. also always say, come with a plan and go with the flow because this... Yes. To expect... Yes. <laughs> to, you cannot control everything you come prepared and then you go with the flow then you can start swimming appropriately and that's where you actually by daring to let go of control that's where you win the most yeah lots of good tips there and i just wanted to touch on what joe b said about jumping in and trying because often we overthink overanalyze and second guess ourselves for me, doing improv has helped me to learn how to take that leap of faith and not get stuck in my head. So often we get in our way of speaking out and so we need to actively remove these barriers which are often in the mind. But of course we need to practice being assertive too and if you find yourself being mansplained or manterrupted, this needs to be called out, in a polite way of course. I bet many men don't even realise they are doing it I would like to see a survey on that. But there are things that you can say. For example, I appreciate the comment, but I've got this. Or let me continue, and if there's still a question, we can address it then. Or that comment makes me wonder if it might be helpful to let you know my background. So there are just a few ways of calling out that type of behaviour. But I just want to leave you with a quote, and it's by a judge from the 1900s called George Jessel. And he said, the human brain starts working the moment you were born and never stops until you stand up to speak in public. And just to add, following this podcast, we are going to do a workshop on speaking out. We thought it might be a good idea to do one. So we're going to be looking at how to find your authentic voice through improvisation and voice work, plus tips on feeling more empowered, especially in the working environment. You can find out more about that on my website, which is mindfulthinkingatplay.com. Until next time. <laughs>